that was inspired, Joel. That was, I don't know. I, I, literally, we're just recording this now on the back of the interview, so I'm still processing it. But yeah. Um, so yeah, carry on. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. I, 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 see, I think, see, you can't yeah, think of any yeah, words. It's hard. It's hard to say what's going on. <laughs> Ray, Ray, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one and um, a fascinating one, an inspired one, uh, one with uh, amazing sort of uh, positive, inspiring, energetic um, words from Ray uh, about the potential of uh, humanity and the direction that we're going in because of Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. the opportunities that that provides for us all. And um, he's working on an amazing project at the moment that's going to be on Nostra, right? Um, is that right? It's gone. It's, um, I actually read the white paper and as far as I understood, um, SIFKit is integrating into Nostra. But the brilliant thing is because it's built on the Lightning infrastructure that stuff like FediMint, for example, or just Okay. Generally speaking, any Bitcoin node can sink mm-hmm. in. So it yeah, will be it. that decentralized hub where potentially all of Bitcoin meets. And it's so it's so fascinating because throughout the episode, Ray dropped a ton of history knowledge. I sat there, I was like, holy shit, this is super interesting. Another couple of rabbit holes to go down to. And he also mentioned, I think the one feeling you get after the episode is humanity can only win on a bitcoin standard that there's nothing else it can do um and there's no politics involved there's no left right whatever um it's just humanity and we as a group have to come up with a better solution than what we live in now so amazing episode let's go down the rabbit hole with ray ray my guy how you going mate uh thank you for joining us here today at rabbit hole stories it's really good to see you um how are you keeping i'm good brother always diving down rabbit holes head first Let's myself. do it. Let's get down this rabbit hole with Ray Yusuf. Joel is here with me, as per usual. And um, as you may already know, Ray, uh, we're all about everyone's rabbit hole story into Bitcoin. We're interested in how people got into Bitcoin. What was their aha moment? And why is it they decided to stay? Including things like what are they doing in the space? What what uh, are they building? What is their contribution into Bitcoin? And this is why we've we thought it'd be a, a great idea to have you on um, to talk about the work that you do over in Nigeria um, and and the important stuff that you're you're doing in that space. Um, so I think we should just kick off uh, with you, Ray, just introducing yourself for those that that don't know who you are. And then we can just dive down that rabbit hole head first. Yes, sir. Well, is it okay, gentlemen, if I vape during this? Mate, meeting? you vape away. All right. Thank might, you. I appreciate do you know what? I'll help you out and I'll get mine as well. <laughs> there you go, my man. <laughs> yeah, so my name is Ray. I've been a serial entrepreneur for about 24 years. I'm a first-generation immigrant from Egypt. Parents came to America for the promise of a better life because there was no opportunity where they were from. Common story amongst people coming to the global south, you know, we had a hard life in New York, but I learned how to do business, working at my parents' newsstand. And then I got my first computer when I was 19, taught myself how to code. Yeah, boy. And I just started, yeah, there you go. And I just started building businesses, started building websites. Couldn't help myself. My parents were always business people. They were school teachers, but, you know, Everyone from Egypt and the Middle East, they're all there, like, it's in their blood to start a business or something, right? So that's what I did. 
my first business was uh, a ringtone business. And it's it has a lot of similarities to what we're doing now because it was actually peer-to-peer. I know I had people upload ringtones and I had people download them. And I hacked the cell phone carrier's websites to send the, uh, the ringtone to them as an SMS message for free. <laughs> Very cheeky of me. But, you know, I, I started that business for a simple reason. I had a problem. The problem was... The problem was I was looking for this Mission Impossible ringtone and I couldn't find it. It was hell. So finally, I, once I figured out how to do it, I built a system so that everyone else could do it as well. The problem was with that business is that it's a bunch of 16-year-olds that want these ringtones, right? They're an unbanked population. And they would steal their mother's credit cards and do it and I'd get all these chargebacks. And it's like, man, this billing stuff is hell. I built a multi-billion dollar business in six months in my mother's basement. But the billing was always the hard part. And every single startup I had afterwards, all like 12, 13 of them, had the same problem. They had the same problem, which is billing, right? Especially if you're dealing with an unbanked population, whether it's teenagers or the 40 million uh, unbanked people in the United States that choose to be unbanked. 40 million in the United States. They don't have a bank account. They don't want a bank account. The check cashing places do a better job. So... When I first heard about Bitcoin, I think it was like 2011, you know, someone I was trying to sell my motorcycle, someone's like, sell it for Bitcoin. Bitcoin, what's that? You know, being the nerd that I was, found the white paper, read it, and I was like, okay. I mean, I didn't have, you know, I, I'm very technical, but uh, I was more of just a hacker, you know? I didn't really mm-hmm. understand how deep solving this uh this, this problem what actually was, but it was peer-to-peer electronic cash. And I, every startup I did was peer-to-peer. So I was quite, you know, I was quite uh, enthralled by it. But to me, it wasn't real until I actually met the people behind it. Satoshi Nakamoto was nowhere to be found. So then I started searching Bitcoin meetups. Because I wanted to see who are these people behind this thing called Bitcoin. And I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I met some amazing people. The first Bitcoin meetup I went to was uh, BitDevs in New York. It was at the Bitcoin Center in New York. It was started by uh, the godfather of Bitcoin, the OG of OGs, Nick Spanos, a very good friend of mine. And he gave us all a home right next to the New York Stock Exchange, right next to it, rented out a huge office in New York City, prime real estate. He lost money on it, but he didn't care. He was a true believer, a true evangelist. And it was the spirit of men like Nick that really enthralled me. Like, wow, with believers like this, how can these guys lose? When I first saw this guy, he was talking about that scene where Jesus uh, charged into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers. Now, we've all heard that story. The anniversary of it happened just last week, right after Passover. Why is that story so important? That story is so important because for several reasons. Number one, it was... The, it was the genesis of fiat. Because at the time, the currency in place was the shekel, which was backed by gold and silver, right? Then the priests of the temple, you know, they would always collect their dues from the people with the shekel, but they're like, they came up with a bright idea. And whether it was them that came up with it or demonic forces behind them, I will leave that up to you, gentlemen. <laughs> so they decided to take the shekel and fork it. They forked the shekel into the half shekel, which is just wood, just a piece, a little piece of wood. And you could only pay them their dues with that half shekel. Where could you get that half shekel? In the temple, of course. 
So right. you go there, give them their dues. But now the price was higher because there was an exchange rate. And they thought it was pretty innocent, right? But Jesus knew better. He was guided by his Lord from above and he told him, hey, bro, you were sent here to intercept this thing before it metastasizes into this utterly hideous Leviathan of usury that has pretty much suffocated all of humanity. And that was Jesus' mission. He was sent in there, put into a dogfight with Satan himself to stop the invention of fiat. We all know how that story went. Despite him launching a one-man-style Matrix-like raid onto the temple and whooping everyone's ass himself, it still didn't go well for him. And you think about what he actually did. It's like me marching into the Federal Reserve in New York and shooting the whole place up and whooping everyone's ass. I wouldn't. There would be no place on earth where I would be safe. No place where you did it, no whoever did it. Yeah. He did that himself. And the only one he had to back him up Guess who? Who's Mary Magdalene and his mama? All the disciples ran away. They didn't want any part of that. And I honestly can't blame them. But, you know, son of Mary had to get out of Dodge. And I can understand why. And here we are 2,000 years later. And we're dealing with this. And the system has mutated into something that is beyond the comprehension of anyone. Even people that study this thing at its depths, at the height of this 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 uh, cancer, you can't even fathom. The mind can't fathom anymore. In fact, you know, there's an interesting saying in Islam actually that in Islam, riba uh, usury is called riba. That's the name of it in Arabic, right? And in, in, in Christianity, they don't give us much information. Oh, you can't charge interest on loan, but it's actually a much deeper concept. The way this the Muslim scholars describe it, I talked to one brother. He was the only one that gave me a really good answer. He was a white dude in Malta, Islamic scholar. And he told me, it's not about charging interest on things. It's about when one side sets things up that they cannot lose and the other side can. That's what makes it unfair. So according to the last right. prophet, he said there's 70 levels, seven zero levels of riba. And he said that the least of these levels is equal to zinna, meaning adultery with your own mother. And he also said something else, that there will come a time in human history where even if you don't per, uh, partake directly in riba usury, the dust of it will be upon all of us. And that's the time we're living in now. So he basically said, he basically called us all motherfuckers, technically. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> where we're at. You motherfuckers. We, <laughs> we are, bro. But we can't blame ourselves, you know. This, this yeah. thing started yeah. 2,000 years ago. And here we are, poor devils, trying to make the best of it. And if you trace, like, the, the, you know, if people talk about the Federal Reserve, you know, in 1913 it was passed, and then Eustace Mullins broke the story with the secrets of the Federal Reserve in 1949. But this all started a long time ago, a very long time ago, and the battle has been raging. And if you look at, you know, what we're trying to do right now in Bitcoin, peer-to-peer, -peer, right, it's actually been done before. And it's actually been built upon its own kind of immutable ledger 1400 years ago mm -hmm. so uh you know you, islam was 600 something right and then a very strong community of these traders built up around the world and it spread through trade but all these muslim arab traders and all these guys they couldn't do third-party payments right because the roman empire forbid third-party payments if it doesn't go through us directly, you can't do it. So how are you supposed right. to run a huge merchant empire 
from, you know, Iran to Milan to Carthage to this and that. If you can't do third party payments. So they said, hey, man, we can't work with this stuff. And they came up, they said, hey, why don't we just transact between each other with our own familial relationships? Because we have this trust relationship because we're all in the same religion, which is based upon this holy book, the last testament that has never been changed. A kind of immutable ledger that we have right now where, you know, Muslims, six-year-old Muslims memorize this thing. And so it's kind of an immutable ledger in that sense. And they built this network called Hawala, which is Arabic. It just means money transfer. You want to send some money from Cairo to Islamabad to your mom over there? Well, how are you going to do that? You go to a guy there. He's like, yo, Habib, you got any friends in Islamabad? He's like, yeah, my brother lives there. He's like, yeah, I'll give you some Egyptian pounds right here, bro. And your brother can give my money some Pakistani rupees or whatever it might be. And then those two guys set love between each other because they have their trust relationship. But now, fast forward, 1,400 years later, we have another peer-to-peer -peer revolution. And it's built upon the immutable ledger of Bitcoin. And anyone, no matter what religion, no matter what ethnicity, can take place and can take part. Where we have magical money friends around the world that can help you solve all your money problems. And that's what platforms like Paxful did, right? It was just like Craigslist, an order book. I got this, give me that. And an escrow and a wallet. Those three things combined together to allow Bitcoin to reach the masses, to, to um, manifest in physical reality beyond just hashing power and electricity, right? Now all these trades that these people are doing, Bitcoin for any other form of money, Bitcoin for a good, a service, whatever, it allows it to actually make the world fertile, right? And that's what Paxful did. Started Paxful eight years ago. And it was in a rough situation, let me tell you. Eight years ago at this time in New York, I was actually homeless. I come to the end of my rope, arrogant sob that I was, had like 10 failures in a row. And I had to ask God for help. And God led me to Bitcoin. God led me to Paxful. And it was a very, it was a successful experiment. It might be ending now, but the experiment was a huge success. Number one, it proved that Bitcoin could be useful for real use cases. Right. You know, at the time, and still now it's all about the price. Ah, oh, price, price. But we're talking here about purpose over price. Mm -hmm. the peoples of Africa, particularly Western Africa, Nigeria, love and shout out to all you brothers out there. They just took this peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin thing and ran with it. Everything I know, I'm an, I'm an authority in the space, right? But guess who I learned from? From them. Watching them do trades, trading with them, talking with them, listening to them. They showed me what this thing could actually do. So that was huge. Actually, proved that Bitcoin could be useful for real use cases on a daily basis in the places where people need it most, the global south. Yeah. huge win for us. And now we're you're starting to see this narrative is really taking hold. Eight years ago, I was saying, after I went my first trip to Africa, started talking to these brothers and sisters and finding out what problems they had with money every single day. I was like, hooey, it's a miracle these people aren't extinct considering how, how bounded up they are. Their money is trapped. Mm -hmm. yep. And I said, with this kind of energy that they have and with this kind of need, this necessity, Africa will lead Bitcoin adoption. I said that eight years ago. Everyone literally laughed on my face. I still have the tweets say. They're like, oh, the Africans will never figure it out. Oh, they only make $2 a day. What need are they going to have for that? This was what Fuck I ran them, into. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They called me a scammer. I was messing around with Nigerian princes. All this garbage. But now, <laughs> look, I stuck to my guns. 
And the second thing that Paxful did as an experiment was that it got Bitcoin to those places, right? Because mm-hmm. before you can, you know, have a burgeoning economy of everyone using Bitcoin, you need to get Bitcoin into those places. And getting big, anything into those places is hard because it's so hard to get money out. How are those Nigerians going to pay for the Bitcoin from the Europeans and the Americans and the Chinese who have it all when it's impossible to even make a payment to send any money out of Nigeria at all? How was I going to solve that problem? And that was the first hard part, right? I was like, damn, how am I going to get money out of this place to get the Bitcoins into this place? Hmm. What are the top exports? Oil? I can't afford an oil tanker. What's next? Cacao beans. $10 million minimum order to get some cacao beans from Lagos to Rotterdam. I was actually trying to do it. I didn't have $10 million, bro. I was homeless. I didn't have shit. So then I was like, okay. I had like used gift cards on Paxful. Gift cards is a $140 billion a year economy. And we built a really vital like uh, secondhand trade of gift cards on Paxful mostly within the United States. Our first users were actually the unbanked in the United States, which taught me so much. And then I just showed the Nigerians, hey, bro, you know, why don't you, instead of getting, you know, money back home from your mama or your brother in California with Western Union and losing, what, 30 40%, something like that, going through all that hassle, taking a couple of days, why don't you ask them to go buy a gift card in the store cash send you the copy of that gift card code and i'll show you how you can sell that gift card code to a brother in china and it worked now they have to give a pretty hefty discount mm. but man they ate it all up and 60 million dollars a week started to flood through that corridor and all of a sudden the nigerians had mad bitcoin now let's answer a question here let's face a conundrum people often ask me yo bro this is crazy People selling, you know, 50% off Amazon gift cards mm-hmm. on Paxful. How can that be legit, bro? How can that not be a scam? Okay, it's a great question. So let's take a look, let's take a look at the average life of your Nigerian youth. In Nigeria, you can get a debit card from your bank, but it's only used with Naira, then Nigeria. If you want to get a debit card, Visa or MasterCard, whatever, that you can use to buy stuff on Amazon, USD, well, you have to go to, to get a domicile account if you can get one. All right, then it's okay. You okay, a domicile account, you know, put some dollars in here. So they have to go because they can't buy the dollars at the official rate from the central bank because they only give that price to their good buddies, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. They have to go to the black market. And if they got 100 bucks, they're going to get 50 bucks back, right, once they exchange it for dollars, right? So they lose 50% right there. Then they go take that 50 bucks and put it into the domicile account so they can spend on their Visa card wherever they want. And then guess what? That 50 bucks becomes 25 bucks because now each single payment is at the official price. So their 100 bucks just became 25. So when you tell them, hey, you can get, you know, sell your gift card for 50% off, but you get everything instantly, they're like, hallelujah, that's a dream come true. Because those are the like the heights of the walls of the problems that people over there have to face. Imagine a seventy-five percent tax on all your commerce. Imagine that. That's why I call this thing. I call it economic apartheid. Yeah. Because that's exactly what yeah. it is. They are yeah. kept You're trapped right. in their little market. It's not just Nigeria. It's Egypt, where I was born. Yeah. Egypt is even harder to get money out than Nigeria. 
The Egyptian passport is ranked number 92. Nigeria is 89. The Egyptians are trapped in every single... My mother just lost half her life savings. Was the bank lured her in with a 25% interest rate for all her life savings in the Egyptian bank. Then they said, oh, now it's 9%. Oh, and by the way, you can only take out 100 bucks a week. Oh, and by the way, the inflation rate just went up by 40%. So she got demolished. And that's the story everywhere. And that's actually a good scenario. Mm, mm, mm. Maybe I'll stop talking now and let you guys like <laughs> no, monologue the, for an hour. No, no th- Ray, thank you. Um, it's inspired. And before Joel, I think you might have a question, but I just wanted to make a statement more than uh, say a question is um, that that story is inspired, Ray. And thank you for sharing that with us. Um, it's clear that, you know, you've, you've been extremely resilient. You were, homeless um you saw um a solution in bitcoin and you provided a beacon um for people that needed bitcoin the most um by way of uh, building Paxful. and um you've clearly because i follow you on twitter and the socials you clearly care passionately about what it is that you do you're a man on the mission you have uh, resilience and clear faith in in what you do, and um, well done for all your hard work. So, and just thank you for sharing that, um, Joel. Shit, now I'm speechless. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, you are a man on the mission, Ray, and you didn't stop with Paxful because it seems like I I don't want to call it that that chapter is over. I know you're still in the process of, I think, doing a lot of um, resolvencies and stuff there. But you went into SIFKit, a P2P electronic market system. Um, was that immediately a thought you had when the whole thing with Paxful went down? You went like, you know, I'm not going to stop. This is still not solved, that issue. Or what was the reasoning behind you for being part of that mission? Yeah, it's, yeah great question, brother. So I actually thought of this whole thing about five years ago mm-hmm. when Paxful was about three ways in, you know, three years in. And I was looking, that's when we were starting our compliance program. And I moved the company from Estonia back to the United States, stupid of me. Because mm. I was trying to do the right thing. I'm like, yeah, man, we're going to show them, yeah, we can be compliant. We can make this work. America all the way, you know. And What a <laughs> dumbass I was. But when I started to see the huge problems, especially for an American company governed by American compliance, that's bad enough. But it's still possible to serve America under American compliance. Cash App is an exceptional mm-hmm. example of that. But to serve the global south as an American company, no way, homie. I mean, I couldn't do it. I failed. But maybe there's a better man than me out there. I, I wish him all the luck, but it's impossible. The system in America is rigged against those people. It is a system of exclusion. And they have many, many granular controls to make this happen. We can talk about KYC. We can talk about chain analysis. We can talk about, you know, the compliance policies on seizing funds and not even giving you a reason to give. And I would, you know, I, I kind of relish these opportunities because I want people to understand how bad American compliance actually is to the peoples of the global south. They were looking at us, Paxson, but what the hell you doing there, boy, with them gift cards, and them Nigerians, son, you better slow down. We weren't doing it. We had a great compliance program. One fourth of our company was compliance one fourth that's more than coinbase yeah. if you look at my twitter you'll see all these people saying 
why did you lock my funds, motherfucker? You scammed me right now. I mean, I feel their pain. I mean, let me give you some examples. Some guy could have just sent, you know, some money to a friend of his or paid for a trade to someone you give him an address. So he sent him and he's like, oh, you sure he sends it. Ends up going to that guy's address on an Iranian exchange. Did that guy in Nigeria know he was sending money to Iran? No. Is he a criminal? No. Mm. But in the eyes of America, you just broke OFAC, boy. Mm. You're going to jail, boy. We can't put you in jail, boy. We'll confiscate your funds and hold on to them for as long as we want until you get the okay from these guys. And good luck to take their sweet time. And I, as a CEO, cannot overrule those decisions. That's the law. A CEO cannot overrule a chief compliance officer. Even if I told him, yo, I'm going to unlock all those funds, he'd be like, no. I don't, I'm not going to do that. That's against compliance. If I went to the engineers and said, yo, unlock all those funds, I don't care what this guy says, then I go to jail. Yep. That's the law in America. It's uh, effectively and, a banking cartel. Would you agree, Ray? They're a bunch of gangsters, bro. That's Damn really straight. what they are. Damn and straight. they put all these rules, and they're wearing these suits, and they got the courts and the judges, but it's all just a massive fucking scam. And there's no way you can come to peace with any of it. I had to accept that. And it was very hard for me because I'm not the type of guy that likes to back down from a challenge. Mm. There's no way to win there, bro. Like, there's no way to win from the inside of that. It's like you're trying to kill a dragon while you're, like, kind of lodged in a little nook in its belly somewhere. Forget it, bro. Get the fuck out, man. But Go you don't seem you don't come across there. as somebody that easily gives up, Ray. So you must have another plan in 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 your back pocket somewhere. Surely, absolutely. What's, what's next? What's next for you, Ray? Unstoppable free markets, brother. Unstoppable free markets is the dream. Axel was a free market, but as you can see, it was quite stoppable. <laughs> you know, as right. hard as we tried, because it was a centralized right. service out of the United States. Bank, they they stopped it. It just you know, I and mean, we're. Stopping it now was the responsible thing to do. Was let me tell you, you see what's ha- even like I came out and said, Hey, there's no future for Bitcoin in the United States, and there's no future for the United States without Bitcoin. Everyone came down on me, they're like, Oh, well, uh, next, next, the very like three days later, Brian Armstrong says, Hey, we're getting <laughs> it's that bad, guys. It is that bad, it really is. And I don't give up easy, you know, I will make every single attempt to make something work ride or die but you're up against something that cannot be beat so that's bad news for us americans we're shit out of luck but hey guess what guys there's a whole huge world out there there's a whole world a massive world most of the world in the west we're like two billion people and mm-hmm. we're getting older we're not having kids i don't have any kids you guys have kids what are they doing to us over here they've beaten us down we're gonna look back at this time that we've been in now like 20 years from now say fuck that was a dark age we thought we were enlightened and we were in chains complete darkness medieval times were better than that you know it's like goethe says none are so hopelessly enslaved than those that can't see the chains around yes it's modern day slavery yeah completely it's the slavery of the mind and the spirit and the west has been completely spiritually amputated like really now and if the attacks are coming from all sides as the vanity of these, you know, small casts of dominant men that have always ruled the world, it increases. Their vanity is so strong right now. You can smell it, right? Like, 
now this face. The stench. Uh, the, yeah, the face of this, you know, they had this pretty face, democracy, human rights, this, that. Now they're just saying, you know what, we're going to take off the mask and here's our real face. How do you like it? What are you going to do about it? We're yeah. in that time right now. So we need to arm ourselves. We need to fix the biggest problem in the world and that problem is economic apartheid. These guys took the first pillar of control, which was the financial pillar. Then they use that to buy up media control and thus control of our minds. With that, they buy control of the political apparatus and thus can control of the navies of the world and they can work their mischief. And every single reset gives them more and more power until they have created a matrix of control <laughs> that where escape is not just impossible, it's unthinkable. Mm. That's their goal. That's where they're trying to get to. You know, I used to be an atheist, guys. But after diving into like multiple rabbit holes from health to history to medicine to science, came to the conclusion like that the only logical explanation for what's happening in the world is that there is something demonic out there that just hates humans and just wants to see us suffer and destroy us. They want to see the human experiment fail. A purely profit motive cannot explain their moves. It just can't. No matter how smart you're, I'll never be able to make that congruent with reality. It is something demonic, and I'll just leave it at that. So the Civ Kit is an <laughs> unstoppable, it's a, it's a decentralized toolkit so that anyone can create a Paxful, their own unstoppable free market. And we can all share liquidity with it. We can all be incentivized. That is the thing that will give us a free market, a global free market, where the global South can trade freely with the global South, where the global South can trade with the West, where anyone can trade with anyone over anything, and it cannot be stopped. If we do this in the next seven years, we won. Yep. Because there is a massive prize, but it has to be pursued tactically, gentlemen. We have to you know, be grown-ups here. And the good thing is, is we have an amazing community. You know, everyone likes to shit on the maxis, and toxic maxis and all this and all that. And, you know, I've been attacked <laughs> by the maxis. People accuse me of being a maxi. But let me tell you something. There is no uh, there is no better infantry of common humans that has ever been fielded that is so strong, so adamant, so base, whatever adjectives you want to use that has ever existed, especially in modern times. It's beautiful. I would ask for no better allies to have with me on this fight. So the CivKid white paper has been released. It's a largely academic white paper. I don't know if you guys have read it. It's quite technically dense. But I called it the CivKid because it's civilization in a can, young man. Come get your copy here and spawn off your own civilization. It's like Civ 3. Who do you want to be? The Aztecs, the Egyptians, the Germans, whatever. But whatever civilization you're going to start, son, you're going to need a way for people to trade the value of their work. Because that's ultimately what civilization and governance is. 99% of it is about the flow of funds, right? It's not about making laws. It's about making humans work together. It's can trade. That's when civilization gets built and gets built rapidly. Rapidly. I want people to understand how quickly we can fix up this mess we're in if we just fix this money problem. We have an unstoppable free market. History has proven there are some examples that I can name, and there's some examples I cannot name. But if humanity just has an honest system of money, to trade freely with each other, the result is always wealth, prosperity, and abundance. Look at the 13 colonies. Homeboys got off a boat, started chopping down trees to make shelter. And within a couple of years, they had the higher standard of living than aristocrats in France. 
so much so that it caught the eye of King George. And he's like, hey, Benji, what's up over here, man? How are you guys doing so well? You don't have any gold, silver. You're just a bunch of rednecks that got off a boat. <laughs> Benji said, well, bro, yeah, we might not have any of this fancy stuff you got over here, but we do have colonial script. It's just paper, though, but it's backed up by work. Proof of work mm-hmm. is what made colonial script work, what made everyone so wealthy. King George heard that. He's like, you know what? That's not going to fly, bro. I was just talking to my boys back there in the cigar room. <laughs> and you know what? We got a better idea for you. I'm using some southern drawl here, but this is Englishman. I can't I'm loving it, right? I'm loving it. I'm messing up all the accents. I'm just loving the contrast between my London Cockney-ish-esque accent and your southern <laughs> South American, mate. He goes, you know what? You know what, son? You're going to take English pounds backed up by gold right mm. now. It's way better mm. than money. Within one year, the unemployment rate in the 13 colonies shot up to 60%. Yeah. People were in the streets. What changed? It's just the money system did mm. not match, match the amount of potential work that could have been done. And the same way those 13 colonies, the same position they were in, the same exact position that Africa has been in for the past 100 years. And those Englishmen, you know, those Americans said, you know what? I don't care how many red coats they got. They didn't give a shit about the price of the tax on tea either. Like, who cares about how expensive your tea is when your whole family's homeless? Mm. They fought because of that, because they wanted their own money system back. They didn't want to be the economic servant vassal of England. And that's what that war was about. And they managed to win that war. But as you know, the bad guys, if they lose, then they'll start playing the game of inches, right? And they'll yeah. weaken you over time. And that's what happened. And here we are, guys. I'll stop talking for a little bit right now. Yeah, but life is a game of inches. There's a great movie quote by Al Pacino there. And history hasn't been kind to people who play God. You've seen this throughout every possible history in the world universe. And it's like you said, we're just in a step where the banksters... um for now, still keep a small edge. I would call it a small edge because once civilizations come together, hopefully with Sifkit, but also with everything being built in Bitcoin, there is no stopping. So it's always, how do you react, Ray, if you hear the statements by like Mr. Buffett and all of these idiots saying it's never going to get any use, Bitcoin? Because my first reaction is always I have to smile because they they don't know what they go up against. Mm-hmm. Or do they? And they're bluffing. Yeah, they're all like, can think of them in two ways. They're just some senile old idiots that are just blabbing what their friends are telling them. But amongst the smartest of them, they know exactly what's going on. They know Bitcoin is Hawala 2.0. Mm-hmm. They know how dangerous it is. They know what our motivation is. And they're like, oh, this is a movement with no leader. How can a bunch of peasants with no leader, you know, undo all the work that we've done over the past 2,000 years? You know, I mean, that's what they're thinking. But we know it's possible. We know it's been done before. We know their their grip is actually very weak. There's a quote mm-hmm. that the weakest house in nature is the spider's web. And that's what they've had. They have a spider's web. Once you unravel a little bit, the whole thing can come cascading down. That's exactly what's going to happen, especially now with their vanity at such a peak. So back to the main, like the main call to action, unstoppable free markets. The SIF kit is just a protocol. It's built on Noster. It's built nice. on Lightning. And the hash time lock contracts to do the escrow. 
right? And it's going to come out in three phases. Phase one is this marketplace, right? So that anyone can spin up their own marketplace. You can spin up your own marketplace, call it Berlin Market, right? I can spin up my own marketplace called Habibi Market. I can put up nice OTC pep check offers on there for OTC. Everything's clean. Uncle Sam's like, all right, it's fine. Someone else can put it up and start a Silk Road 3.0, but someone else can put it up in Iran. It's a protocol running on a completely decentralized framework. No one can stop anyone from trading with anyone else. That's the first phase. We're going to get that out so anyone can start a Paxful. And any service, whether it's a peach, which is a great product, whether it's hodl, hodl, whether it's any of these you know, peer-to-peer markets that survive, they can build on top of that as well to make themselves resilient. But it doesn't stop there. There's a lot more bits and pieces we need to truly make this not just a marketplace. I called it a civ kit, civilization kit for a reason, because it's more than just a marketplace. So phase two will be this decentralized, mobile-friendly lightning wallet, which is very hard, actually. Mm-hmm. Imagine some dude on an Android phone in the middle of Zambia having to communicate with every lightning node in existence. That's hard to do, but we're working on that. We've got some geniuses on that. So we're going to have a mobile-friendly lightning wallet, open source that anyone can build off of, that will come built in with decentralized IDs. And that's so important, guys, because everyone wants to hate on KYC, and I feel them, but identity is not our enemy. It's a centralized control of identity that is our enemy. So we must replace KYC with KYP, as in peer, know your peer. If I'm doing a trade with you, I might want to know who you are. You might want to know how I am, who I am. And there should be a way that we can do that, just as simply as you know, signing off on a Bitcoin transaction. And we share identification with each other. Transparency. So mobile friend, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Identity is the foundation of banking for a reason. We need it, right? So the mobile-friendly Lightning Wallet plus decentralized IDs, and here's the big one in this phase two, will also be reputation. This is critically important. Now, the question is, where do we get an accurate measure of reputation? Get it from the marketplace. From all those trades people are doing on the marketplace and the web of trust that is built between them, just like Paxful has, people would sell Paxful accounts on the gray market for quite a bit of money because it would allow them to do better business. But now we can take that whole system and make it a completely decentralized, unstoppable system that you can carry with you anywhere. And now the beauty of this reputation system is that if you are diligent enough and if you are honest enough, good enough business, you will build up a strong reputation which sets us up phase three with a reputation. You open up the way for a real credit score and thus a credit line. You can open up credit and lending services that will actually work and will bring all this capital from the West into the Global South, allow it to flow around the Global South and allow everything to flourish up. Whether it's a guy that wants to start his own sewing machine business, a coffee shop, uh, his own startup, whatever it might be, his own OTC business, the money will flow. And once the money flows, the human body, and I mean all like all of humanity, just one human body, will start to get up. Because we're in a situation now where the blood, like imagine this is a human body. Let's say the West is, I don't know, the upper torso or whatever. The blood is flowing there, but all the other limbs and appendages are completely denied of any kind of blood or fluid. How can this body even move? And that's what we, humanity is. It's a giant, like Gulliver and Gulliver's Travels, that is just on the floor and basically paralyzed. Our eyes are open. We can see the sky, but we don't know what's going on. We have nobody to take control of our, the world around us. 
But once the money flows, and all those limbs come back to life. Oh, it's going to be beautiful, brothers. 21 days of nonstop celebration. Ray, I, oh my nice. god, I feel so I'm, I feel so empowered by this. Um, <laughs> it's unreal. I'm I'm gonna I don't know. I'm 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 inspired again. Like here we are. You done it twice in one episode, Ray. Um, <laughs> this 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 is gonna potentially be a game changer for Bitcoin, right? Um, it's it's oh, just gonna open up um, endless opportunity for any enterprise any anyone who's got a talent a skill a service they want to offer you're just allowing people just to take charge and get on with it and and do whatever they want and build their own marketplace build their own reputations build their own um commerce and connections across the whole world and that's that's amazing so thank you for uh, working hard on that ray and um, when can we expect some uh, when, when can we expect this to happen so uh i put up the grant Personally, you know, to start all the development, it's starting now. It's a very small team, four people. Nick Gregory is like the master genius that helps all the other geniuses. And man, I'm telling you, we got proper space brains on this. Like, if, I'm the dumbest guy in that room, <laughs> down to the ground, bro. And I'm so proud of that. It's like, we got one guy, his name is Antoine, Antoine Riard. This guy's like the Satoshi of Lightning. This kid is a young French kid. He's so smart. It's crazy. I, he wrote the whole white paper himself. I just added a bit of flowery language and the impetus and a bit of the funding. But this kid wrote the whole damn thing. Mega genius. There's Shout another guy. His name is Yuval. Nothing much. He's an Israeli kid living on a kibbutz. Probably one of the brightest humans on the planet. And Nick is leading this team. This is what gives me hope, guys. Because look, no matter how good the technology is, it's all about the humans that are making it work. It's all about that. And we've got two very special groups of humans, right? Actually, three, right? We've got these huge space brains over here, a small team of four people, but it's an amazing team. They're going to actually build this protocol. We've got the Bitcoin Maxis right here who are the infantry. They're going to keep these wizards safe while they do their work, right? <laughs> and we've got literally, dude, an army. Paxwell had 12 million users, and that's just scratching the service. And these are the real champions, the people on the ground in Africa and in India and in Latin America and Southeast Asia that have built all of these peer-to-peer -peer money services business themselves over these past eight years. Man. They have created whole businesses. These are smart, resilient, young people that are looking to solve every single problem they can and make a profit off it in the spirit of good business. They are the ones that will take what these guys have built and these guys have defended and carry it into the world. All I'm doing here is just lending a voice to this, and if need be, putting myself in the way of any bad things and accelerating and buffing up all the good things. That's what a leader does. So we are at the verge right now of something absolutely explosive, guys. I'll stop talking now because I get excited, but I think you feel me. It's exciting. Future is bright. Ray, before we leave off, is there anything you would like the listeners to leave today's conversation? Can be a tip, can be a quote, whatever comes to mind. Oh, a call to action. I can't think of an exact quote, but I'm going to sum it up. One of my heroes, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, the German poet, who was actually nice. a scientist. He was one of the most brilliant and uh, wise men that ever lived. That wasn't a prophet of God. He was a prophet of man. 
but he wrote uh, Dr. Faustus. I don't know if you guys read it, you probably read it in high school, right? And it was a story essentially about all the things he couldn't uh, get people to accept in his science books. He wrote 55 dying books. So he wrote some nonfiction to get the real story on. And in that book, it basically talks about humanity's struggle against this demonic darkness who wants to see the human experiment fail. And they work so hard every single day. They never rest to make sure that we have no peace. Question is why? I'm not going to get into their motivations and where this pathology comes from. That's a topic for another time. Mm -hmm. But it's really because they're so scared. They're so scared of the amazing creation that humanity is. We are not just hairless primates damned to exist on a ball of dust spinning at some insane speed throughout the universe. We are not insignificant. Humanity is an amazing creation. Our natural state is prosperity, wealth, and abundance. And you must believe that. You must believe that in your heart first. And if you don't, then I suggest you take a break do some reading, I can recommend some good sources, and you finally digest that into your soul. Because once you have that, you will be unstoppable. You will not be second-guessing your humanity. If everyone here is listening, is human, maybe there's some non-humans, but for us humans out there, take great pride in the fact that if you are a human being, you had a choice, you were first created, your soul was created. You said, what mode do you want to play the game in, bro? Do you want to play on easy? Do you want to play on normal or do you want to play on hard? Well, if you chose to be human, you're playing on hard mode because the flesh is weak. And if you're living in this time, then you're playing on legendary, brother. <laughs> you're playing on legendary mode. So take pride in that. Take pride in us being an amazing creation and know that human beings can do amazing things in working together in a very short period of time. And all that we're doing with this is we're defending ourselves. Everything that we're doing here, we are simply defending our right to be free humans. That's all we're doing. We're just defending ourselves. It's sad that it had to come to this, but you know, I'm a gamer. And I've come to realize after 46 long years on this earth that God is the most enlightened of game designers. World of Warcraft wouldn't be any fun without any monsters or dungeons, right? So let's enjoy the ride, guys. And we're going to win, I promise you. It is foretold and prophesied. Bro, human. Yeah, bro. Yay. Wicked. all the way i'm literally speechless <laughs> yeah I, you've, you've left me stunned um I, I love the energy and um it's nice sometimes to have have that reminder because sometimes in bitcoin in the bitcoin space it can be lonely it can be dark and hard and it's nice to get an uplift now and again and to be reminded exactly why we are all in this space we're defending ourselves we're looking after each other and we're doing what's right for um, our families and our loved ones and for humanity. Perfect. Sir. On that note, Ray, I think um, I've been fascinated down your Bitcoin rabbit hole. And um, I'll certainly go and reflect now on all the things that you've said. And um, Joel, any last words? Yeah, I guess the best place to find you, Ray, is on Twitter and on Nosta. Or where would people get yes, in touch sir. with you? I'm Ray Paxwell on Twitter, on Instagram, on uh, uh, Telegram, and I'm on uh, I'm also Ray Paxwell on uh, Nostra. Let me check. I'm on Vamus here. I will. You can look at my Twitter. I put. I'm gonna put my. Uh, I will put my Vamus public key in there right now. I haven't done that yet. I can do that right now. Nice. I'm just Ray on 
it on uh, Nostr. Just right. Short, short and sweet. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Ray, and have a good day then. It's my honor. Okay.